We'll go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 25. And as you're turning there, I want to share with you a story. Is it okay if I talk about snow? Is that okay? Because I'm going to, regardless. All right. So um, it was November 1st, 2004, so nine and a third years ago, uh, that I got into our Ford Windstar uh, van in Simi Valley, California. It was myself, uh, another guy that was moving out uh, in his Ford Ranger, and a friend of ours from Simi Valley that, were, uh, that was willing to drive out with us just to kind of trade off with us and share driving. And our wives uh, and family were flying out that day to uh, Delaware, Ohio. We were moving here to plant this church. And as we took off that day driving, it was beautiful, uh, wonderful weather. And then we got to Amarillo, Texas. And up until that point, it had been uh, blue skies and sun and even in the dark, just nice day, warm day, leaving California. We got to Amarillo and everything changed. And it was terrible. A blizzard was blowing into Amarillo, Texas. I didn't even know that happened in Texas. And we went from just cruising down the highway to literally only being able to go like a couple of miles an hour. And you couldn't see anything. Literally, we saw white and two red dots that were the semi-truck in front of us, the lights on this semi-truck. And so we're just staring at these dots in front of us, following very slowly, hoping, nothing's going to happen and driving along and the wind is just blowing the snow. It looked like this vortex going around the van. And so you're just kind of staying focused in front of you. And all of a sudden, after driving a while like that, this truck just stops. It it couldn't see either. And so uh, maybe wisely decided to stop instead of pushing forward, not being able to see what was ahead or the road or anything like that. And so we're just stuck there. We're kind of just stuck in the middle of this storm. And at this point, we start to get a little bit nervous because we don't have enough gas to get through the night and stay warm. And so we're just sitting there. What do we do? What do we do? You can't see well enough to go ahead on your own. And this guy stopped, and so we're stuck. And so I pull around to the right side of this semi-truck, and I'm trying to block us from uh, this blowing snow and drifts that are coming across. We're just sitting there. And we're just like, what are we going to do? This is where we are. And as we're sitting there waiting, all of a sudden this truck up to the right, wisely or not wisely, I don't know, but it starts to move. It starts to go. And so we're like, well, this is good. Here's someone moving. So there's two red dots moving again. So let's go. And honestly, as I think back, it's, it's like partly really dumb and partly comical. Like if this truck would have driven off of a bridge, we would have followed it. I mean, like, that's all we could see is these two red dots. And so literally for hours, we're just going so slowly along, not knowing what are we going to do. You couldn't see exit ramps to get off. They were, it had snow blown all over them. Finally, at like three in the morning, we see this ramp and we're like hopeful, like we've got to try it because we've got to get off of the road. We just can't stay here all night. And so we just like, half gun it to make it through this beginning snow and get up to the top, make it to this. I've never been so happy to lay down in a hotel bed in my entire life. Just absolute relief. 
Now, I tell you that not because that just fits with the time of year it is or the weather that we have here, but in the midst of storms, we can get anxious and we can get afraid. And some of you, maybe it's not a storm like uh, a, a real, like, winter storm or, or, or thunderstorm or something like that, but some of you are facing storms in your life right now. Maybe it's with your job or maybe it's with your family or something else, and you're, you're feeling like you're in the midst of a storm. What do you do in the midst of that? Where do you turn and what do you think and, and how do you hope in the midst of something that's a very real, scary thing? Well, as we come to the text today, what we find is there is hope. There's hope there, and the truth is that Jesus, no matter what the storm we're going through, is the hope for all of us. And so let's look at the text together. If you wouldn't mind standing, I'm going to read verses 22 through 25 of Luke chapter 8. One day, he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Let's pray. Father, thank you. We praise you. We thank you that we can come to you, Father, knowing that you control all things, that you are the calm in the midst of storms, And we want to be a people who trust you, who believe in you. And so we ask you, Lord, even as we come away from these previous texts that talk about your word and how critical it is that we listen carefully, that we're not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we ask you, Lord, help us. Help us to hear, to take in your word as good soil takes in seed and in faith to walk in obedience in delight of who you are. We praise you and thank you and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, the text begins in verse 22. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples Luke tells us one day Jesus got into a boat. That's a good reminder for us that Luke is not necessarily writing a chronological account here in the Gospel of Luke. He's not writing everything in a chronological order. He writes this to Theophilus, we know, from chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And he says in that, in the beginning of this gospel account, he writes to Theophilus that he's writing an orderly account, which doesn't necessarily mean a chronological account. 
Not that he's putting everything in a timeline. He's writing an orderly account so that Theophilus might have certainty concerning the things that he's been taught. And so Luke's concern is assurance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Theophilus and those of us coming to his gospel account might have certainty, might have assurance of the gospel of Jesus, of the things that we've been taught And this text does nothing less than give us that assurance about who Jesus is. He has, Luke has been giving an account of Jesus' teaching, emphasizing this criticalness of listening well. Of being good soil that hears the word of God and does it. And so we leave those texts and continue in a teaching, purposeful text that says that Jesus gets into a boat with his disciples and says to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So Jesus is leading them into the boat and he's leading them across the lake. He's the one leading his people into this. And so they set out. Verse 22, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. So as they sail along, Jesus falls asleep, probably exhausted from ministry as he's going along, and these great crowds are following him. He's probably exhausted and probably feeling the weight of ministry and healing and proclaiming God's word. And if you look at Mark and the account in Mark of of his teaching where he would teach and heal way into the night... And he's probably feeling the weight of that. And so he falls asleep. And it reminds us, as we see that Jesus falls asleep in this boat, that God put on flesh. God put on flesh. And Jesus' body suffered the effects of fatigue and hunger, just as our bodies do. We see that here. We see that in other places. He got tired. He needed rest. He needed to sleep. He would get thirsty. He would get hungry. His body suffered the same fatigue and hunger that our bodies do. But we also see a vast difference between Jesus and his humanity and us and our humanity. Because while Jesus is sleeping, a windstorm comes down from the lake. Now, the Sea of Galilee is known for having uh, vicious and sudden storms come on the lake. It is, uh, it is at a, a low, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, altitude, elevation, good grief. Um, altitude, it, it, it's actually sitting like 700 feet below sea level and it's surrounded by mountains. So you will have winds that come down over the mountains and if you have the right mix of temperatures, just like we have with storms that kind of come upon us where you get warm and cold together, mixes together and you get a nice storm. Well, in the same uh, case there is you have the wind that comes over the mountains. Often a, a wind would come down and a storm would come upon the Sea of Galilee that was much like a hurricane. And that's what we have here in the text, something similar to that. Because it tells us in verse 23, and they sailed, as, he, as, the, as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. 
They were filling with water and were in danger. Now imagine the scene here. These disciples, many of them, are experienced on the water. Experienced fishermen. And so they've probably seen many storms and been in a boat for many storms in their life. But there's something peculiar about this one. There's something different about this, this storm that's bringing them fear and causing them to doubt, thinking that they're going to die. And so verse 24 says they went to Jesus and they woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. They're afraid. They're panicking. They're terrified. This storm is filling their boat and the waves are crashing against the boat and they think they're going to die and so they wake Jesus and you can maybe get a picture of what might be going on in that boat. In fact, Matthew tells us that uh, they say, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And then Mark records that they say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then we have here in Luke, master, master, we are perishing. Now, does that mean that two of these uh, authors got it wrong, one of them got it right and two of them got it wrong because these are different things that are being said? Not at all. It just gives us an idea of the panic that's going on. These disciples didn't get together and have a little committee meeting and say, okay, what are we going to say to the master when we wake him up? Okay, let's agree. We'll say this statement and we shall wake him and say to him, master, master, we are perishing, right? They didn't do that. They're panicked. And so probably as they wake him in a panic, they're saying all of these things and these things are all coming out of their mouths. And this would have been a situation where they were terrified terrified. It's important for us to notice though, Jesus is not like us in our humanity as well. Because Jesus in the midst of this panic and in the midst of this terrible storm is resting. He's not worried. He's not doubting. He's not afraid. He is Sleeping the sleep of sovereign rest. Trusting in his father. Not afraid. Even when he's awakened. And you may think as you read that, well, maybe he's just a really, really heavy sleeper. And he just didn't know. Even when he's awakened, there's no panic. There's no fear. There's no doubt They went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. Just an amazing picture of the power and glory of Jesus. He gets up and he speaks to the wind and he speaks to the water. Just as we said last week, they obey his voice. They obey him, his creation, the winds and the waves. He says to them, Mark says, peace be still. And they obey. They have the wisdom, they have the good sense to obey their creator and their Lord. 
And as we come off of these texts that over and over and over again are stressing to us, it is critical that we listen well to the word of God. And here we stand looking before the winds and the waves that are spoken to and immediately they respond in obedience. Our response must be, what about me? Am I responding with the same obedience that these wind and waves respond with? Just an amazing picture. They obey his voice. Immediately they ceased and there was calm. And in case we consider the possibility as some have and have said, well, maybe this is just a coincidence. Jesus spoke and this storm came on suddenly and we know here in in Ohio that storms can come suddenly and they can stop suddenly. So maybe it's just a coincidence. He said, maybe he saw that the storm was coming to an end. He just spoke and then the storm stopped. And maybe it's just a coincidence. Well, yes, storms do come quickly and they do leave quickly, but waves don't stop quickly. And it was calm, it says. Imagine being on this boat, ravaged by the wind and ravaged by the waves and water coming into the boat and threatening to sink this boat. And all of a sudden, the creator of all things speaks. And now the boat is resting gently on calm waters just an incredible incredible picture of the power and graciousness of god the waters were calm luke tells us this boat struggling as it was now sits gently on these obedient waters we see a picture of god's power similar to this in job chapter 37 Beginning with verse 1. At this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice. And the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole heaven he lets it go. And his lightning to the corners of the earth. After it, his voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. Likewise to the downpour, his mighty downpour he seals up the hand of every man that all men whom he made may know it then the beasts go into their lairs and remain in their dens from its chamber comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds by the breath of god ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast he loads the thick cloud with moisture the clouds scatter his lightning they turn around and around by his guidance to accomplish all that he commands them on the face of the habitable world whether for correction or for his land or for love, he causes it to happen. God is all-powerful. He reigns. He causes it all to happen. And here we see in Luke 8, he speaks to that same creation, that calamity, and it is instantly calm. Nothing is out of his control. He's absolutely 
reigning over all things. At this point, Jesus turns to his disciples and says to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being on that boat, going through those circumstances, thinking you're going to die, now sitting calmly with Jesus in the boat, and he looks at you, and his question is, where's your faith? You should have trusted me. You should have trusted my father. Why do you doubt? They had seen him do countless miracles, and yet they still doubt. And the truth is, we might sympathize with them. We might put ourselves in the boat and think, I would be terrified. (laughs) I would be afraid too. Because our flesh in the midst of storms in our life begins to well up and we begin to worry. We begin to get afraid. And we may ask, as we look at the text and we hear Jesus' words, where is your faith? We may ask, what do you do in a situation like that? How do you respond? Jesus says, have faith. Trust me. Trust me. We look at the disciples' response to his words. They were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? We we would be there. (laughs) As we're standing before this one who has spoken, and everything has become calm. Who is this? Who is this God-man? Who is this one who has spoken, and now the winds and the waves have obeyed his voice, have been obedient to his voice, And they were afraid. Who is this man that even creation obeys him? And that really is the question for us. Isn't that the question that ought to rise in our hearts? Who is this man? Who is this one? Who is this one who speaks and calm comes? Jesus is not troubled in the storm. Who is this one who is not troubled? He reigns over the storm. He is the Son of God, the Creator, the Word made flesh who brought about creation by His Word. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, Paul tells us, For by Him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him, And for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And now here in Luke, he speaks. The one who's holding all things together, he speaks to that creation he's holding together, and it obediently follows him and submits to him. He's the sovereign Lord of this world, Jesus This is not the first time we see in the scriptures his power, the Lord's power and authority over waters that he created. You think of Genesis 6 through 8 where the Lord causes a storm to come on the earth, one that has not been equaled since. 
And the purpose of the storm is to destroy all of creation and everything in it. Except for one family. Noah, his family. The Lord tells Noah to build this ark and he builds this ark and he calls Noah and and these animals that he's rescuing to to repopulate the earth. Calls them onto this boat and the rains and the storm comes and the waters go and he destroys all of his creation. But Noah... He rescues him. He saves him. He delivers him from the storm. You think of Exodus 14. The Lord causes water to part in obedience, to part so that the Israelites and Moses can go across on dry ground. Supernatural. What's he doing there? He's rescuing his children. He's saving He's delivering. There are times when the Lord has commanded wind and waves to obey him and do things. And what he was showing then in the Old Testament is what he's showing here in Luke 8. He reigns. He has authority over all of creation and he saves his people from the storm. God is always, God is always through Christ rescuing us. Now don't, under, don't misunderstand this. The story of Jesus calming the storm is not meant to tell us that Jesus will never allow us to drown or to be killed in some natural disaster. That he's always going to save our physical lives. That's not what it means. The story demonstrates that he is Lord of all the forces of the universe and no force can destroy his plan for our eternal salvation or separate us from his love. All creation submits to him. Paul writes so beautifully in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whatever the storm is that we are facing, whatever storm he leads us into, he is able. And that storm or nothing else will separate you if you are hidden in Christ from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so the question is, do you know him? Here's these disciples on the boat. They see his mighty work. And they're afraid. And their question is, who then is this? Who is this man? Who is this one when you see the words, when you read the words, when you hear the words of the disciple who's, uh, who say, who then is this? Do you say in your heart, I know him. I know him. Do you know the one that you say that you follow? In the calm and in the trials of your life, does your life display that you know him? As believers, don't miss that Jesus leads the disciples into this. 
He leads the disciples into this situation. And he's calling us to follow him as well. He's calling us. Luke puts this story here on purpose. Those who are hearing the word of God and doing it, they bear fruit and they follow the creator and controller of all things wherever he leads. And they trust him. And so as believers, those who who claim that we follow him, then three things that we ought to consider. First is very simple, follow him. Follow him. Mark 8, 34 Jesus' great call of discipleship. If anyone is to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. That's not a symbol of calm. That's a symbol of storm. Take up his cross and follow me. Walk behind me. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Here's the thing. Storms in your life don't mean that Jesus is not leading you. Storms in your life are not reasons to throw up your hands and say, where are you, God? They're not reasons for us to say, this is not fair. If you're in a storm, that doesn't mean he's left you. It doesn't mean that he's oblivious to the circumstance. He reigns. He hasn't forgotten you. And so follow him. And secondly, as believers, trust him. Trust him. When storms come, trust Jesus. The disciples' faith needed to be in Jesus on the boat, and so do ours in the midst of the storms we face. Our hope, our trust, our faith is to be in Jesus, not in the boat. The boat can't keep us afloat. Only Jesus can And so our hope and our trust is in him. We might sympathize with the disciples and ask, how can you not be afraid and lose trust? We might think that. But there's hope in Jesus. You think ahead to Luke's second book in Acts 27. Paul was in a very similar circumstance, wasn't he? On a ship, the storm comes up on the waters, threatening, in fact, not just threatening, it would eventually destroy the ship that they were on. The crew, the sailors are panicked. And what is Paul doing on the boat? He's calm. He's calm. And he's encouraging the crew. He's encouraging those on board. Why? He trusts. He trusts his father. He's walked with Jesus. And there have been storms in his life up to this point. And he knows whether by life or by death, I want to honor Christ. He's not certain in every circumstance that his life won't be taken. But he's learned to trust. He's learned to trust the Lord. And third, as believers, we ought to fear him. Such a wonderful picture here in the text. He said to them, where is your faith? Where's your trust? And they were afraid. And they marveled. They were afraid and they marveled as they stand before the one who calms the storms. For the disciples, now there is something more fearful than the storm. It's the Lord. And that's a good thing. We ought to fear the Lord. Jesus, 
When they see his power and his authority and his salvation, they marvel and they are afraid. They fear him, just as we ought to. He's our savior. He is our savior. I want you to go to Psalm 107, 107. Let me read for you some verses from Psalm 107, beginning with verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled. And staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. This passage here in Psalm 107 as well as Luke 8:22 through 25 is a glorious picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at the circumstances taking place in both of the texts. There's a great storm of God. Those in the storm are afraid and think they're going to die. They're desperate and they cry out to the Lord. He delivers them and calms the storm and they worship him. That is an arrow directly to the gospel. There is a greater storm. There's a greater storm than what's being written out in these two texts. It's the storm of God's wrath and it threatens all mankind. It's the storm of the wrath of God and God the Father sent his only son into that storm. And he slept. But he didn't sleep the sleep that we see in Luke 8. He slept the sleep of death. He was beaten and crucified on behalf of those who caused the storm, us. Our sin is the cause of God's wrath And Jesus was thrown into the storm of God's wrath on our behalf. And for those who cry out to him, those who trust in him, he says to the storm, peace, be still. And we worship him. It's the gospel of Jesus. That's why we rejoice in taking the Lord's Supper each week because we rejoice in the gospel that although there is a storm of God's wrath, we are safe. We're safe. The waters are calm for us. And so we rejoice. 
As Paul says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The waters are calm. God's wrath is satisfied. How? Why? Because of what he writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so as we come and hold the bread and hold the cup, we remember We remember the stormy waters that we were in and we were terrified. We were afraid and we called out to God and in his mercy through his son, he spoke, peace be still and all is calm now. All is right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that the circumstances of our life were just as desperate, more so, than these disciples. For the waters that threatened us were eternal. Your wrath. And yet in grace you spoke. You sent your Son, the Word made flesh. You called us, you drew us, you helped us to see that we were desperate. You allowed us to call out to you and in our desperation you spoke to the storm, peace be still. You've hidden us in your son and so we worship you. As we prepare to partake of the bread and the cup, we worship you, Lord. We rejoice in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We rejoice in the Savior who is Lord and reigns over all of creation, is holding us together right this second. Knowing that if you let go, we would forever be gone. But you have promised you will never, ever let us go. And nothing can separate us from the love of of you. And so we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.